Hi, welcome to episode 58 of Talk About the Passion, On Returning, which was named after a Wire song, of course. My name is Christian Campagna, and my guest today is Richard Brown. Richard is a founding and current member of the Proletariat, one of the best bands to come from the underground music scene in Boston. Uh, a hard-to-pigeonhole band as they would play shows with bands like Minor Threat, Bad Brains, Who's Could Do, and then play with bands uh, like Mission of Burma. Musically, uh, they're definitely closer to Burma than Minor Threat. On this episode, another episode recorded over the phone while most of the world is under quarantine, I talked to Richard about where he grew up, some of the music he was getting into as a kid, and all things proletariat. We cover the origins of the band up to their current state. Speaking of that, you should seek out their record from 2019 called Move. It's great and as uh, angry as everything they've done. They still put on a great live show as well. Uh, the sound on this one is a little loud. I was having an issue with my phone, but I think it sounds fine. And the conversation was great. Richard tells some great stories here. I loved having him on here. Uh, a couple more things. You can listen to this podcast on all of your favorite podcast listening apps, as well as Spotify and YouTube. If you like what you hear, please subscribe or follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm active on both all the time. Okay, enough about me. Here we go with episode 58, On Returning, Richard Brown. Thanks for listening. All right, well, I am here. Well, I'm not exactly here, but we're on the phone. I'm here with uh, Richard Brown. How are you doing today, man? Good, good, really good. Yeah. How uh, how are you holding up during all this uh, craziness that's going on right now? It's, it, you know, it's kind of, you find yourself hitting like a a low-grade depression, yeah. I think. Yep. Uh, I'm forgetful, I'm I'm messing up shit like that, yeah. stuff that I usually wouldn't. Right. And, and I'm assuming I'm just kind of adding it together and putting saying that's the reason why, but right. health-wise, I'm fine. Yeah, and you, you're still working? Yes, uh, postal service. Yeah. So it really has. It's in the building I'm in. Four people are out. Yeah. None of them have tested positive, but they're still quarantined. Yeah, yeah. My my daughter was one of the first people quarantined in um in Rhode Island. Oh really? Yeah, she's a sophomore at Cranston West, and um one of the girls was there all week, I guess, sick. Right. They took her out. She tested positive, so they. Oh. They pretty much they shut down before the rest of the schools in Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's pretty crazy right now, but hopefully uh, she will be okay through that scary stuff. And especially, you know, you working in that in that industry. Yeah, and then every day you'll hear the doom and gloom things. You know, it's yeah. uh, it can live on a package for three days, and you're like, yeah. oh great, where's yeah. this one from? I know. Yeah, our uh, our. Uh, the UPS guy I have, I've had to tell him three times now that he can't like come past a certain point. And today he was in there talking to me, and he he's coughed in his hand and then like was leaning it, put it like put his hand against the. And I'm like, Are you fucking and he's also one of these guys like I don't think it's you know he's like I read today that it's probably going to be uh, start opening stuff up at the beginning of May, and I'm like you're fucking crazy uh, if you think that it's not going to happen. It no. can't. Oh. No, I mean I've I've said stranger things will happen, but I can't see that happening. Yeah, no, I know it's uh, yeah, it's that's too, way too soon. I I wouldn't feel comfortable going anywhere like public or or, or anything like that that soon myself. Mm -mm. As much as it's you know driving <laughs> people nuts to be cooped up at home, uh, it it is also nice to to actually go to work and not be. Stuck it, it is in a way it takes your mind off it. I don't know how people that have been here for five weeks or something locked in a house. You know, yeah, and they're uh, they're going to be there into the summer, I think. Yeah, I mean, how how much Netflix, Amazon Prime can you watch? It's like, oh god. I know, right? Um, anyway, where uh, where did you grow up, Richard? Um, Sonnet, Massachusetts. Um, it's right outside Fall River. Okay. Um. Me, Peter, and Tommy were all born in Fall River. Frank was born in New Bedford, I think. Yeah. And Asona is this little hick town. Yeah. It's got um, all kinds. I mean, Asona's odd. Yeah. It it was really farmish when we were growing up. Mm 
and there were these um, pockets of real poverty yeah. um, where there was inbreeding and they called them Juckets, Juckettville yeah. was the name of it. And none of the kids from there ever went past like sixth grade or seventh grade in oh, school. Right. And Jerry Remy's, um, Jerry Remy's cousins yeah. was, were albinos and they lived in Sonnet. Really? Yeah, and they didn't they didn't live long, uh, go to school long, but yeah, right. it was it's a strange place. We used to um, we would be like 15 years old. We'd ride our bikes out to um, Myricks and um, that area, Route 79, right. and we would take our bikes in the back, and there was an actual still, yep. and they'd sell us baby food jars full of moonshine. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they'd be like, "Go, don't mix it. Don't you gotta mix this with orange crush or sarsaparilla." Sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla. And I go, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> we'd mix it. We drink. We'd run into trees. It was, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. So that's that's. There was pretty much nothing to do in your town, I imagine. So you, no, you nothing. To uh, invent fun. Yeah, you know, you'd blow up mail dot Those kids, all kids, would go to like Dayton, um, Bristol Aggie. Mm-hmm. And Dayton, and so they had access to um, M80s. Oh, nice. So we'd we'd blow up mailboxes, uh, like a whole street worth, and uh, yeah, you were so bored, you did things that you'd never think of doing otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, so were you getting into music as a, a, a young kid there? How, how did that get into your system? Yeah, as a kid, you know, it was late seventies, so. You know, there was always in a Bowie, Stones, Cheap Trick, Sabbath, Zeppelin, Aerosmith, and, you know, and you drive around in your cars and listen to Volume 4 and yeah. go to Profile Rock and drink beers. Yeah. What is that? What's Profile Rock? Profile Rock is um the old man in the mountain in New Hampshire. Yeah. The uh, Indian head in, in uh, stone. Yeah. Profile Rock was so much better looking. And it it just recently, like last year or a year before, somebody vandalized it and knocked it down. Right. Or a big chunk was missing. It wasn't as big as the Man in the Mountain in New Hampshire, but as far as being more defined, Mm -hmm. it it was much clearer. Right. You could see the face much clearer. And so we would climb up there. It was the highest point in town. We'd have like the Dynamite 8-track player and Colt 45. (laughs) (laughs) And... Pretty much listen to Aerosmith, Zeppelin, Stones. Yeah. And uh, where were you able to get music out there? Was there record any record stores? Not in the Sona, no. Sona only had like, um, it had a gas station. Yeah. It had two restaurants and it had like um a con- like a convenience store, like an old-timey one. Yeah. That was it. There was nothing. So we'd go to Harbor Mall in Fall River. Yeah. And we'd buy our music there yeah. for the most part. Right. And were they able, were they starting to get, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like all, alternative, well, not what we would, they would call alternative later, but like new wave and, and stuff like that. Like you said, Bowie, but what did they start getting, uh, like Iggy uh, Pop and like, could you find that stuff out there? Yeah, you could. It was, uh, I forgot what the name of it, Midland Music or Harbour Mall. It was, it was in the Harbour Mall and, and they had Bowie, they had the Stones, they had, um, they didn't have Velvet Underground, they had Lou Reed. Yeah. There was, you know, you could find stuff. Yeah. You could. That's where we get our tickets to shows. Yeah. And um, it was always the same seats. Yeah. It's, uh, if it was at the Civic Center, it was at that place. If it was at the Orpheum, it was the same seats all the time. Right. That must have been what they got. What they got at that place, yeah. I know. Back when we were growing up, uh, with this for the listener, you had to actually go stand in line somewhere and uh, wait to get tickets to a concert. You know, yeah, not, it was. I didn't do that to buy toilet paper, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've advanced so far, yeah, haven't yeah, we? I know, right? It's great. <laughs> but uh, what what was? Do you remember the first uh, live music you saw? Um, the first big concert I saw was Aerosmith yeah. at um Providence City Center. I think I saw Aerosmith like six or seven times. Yeah. Um, Cheap Trick. Yeah. Um. Well, the, the smaller venues, it was like Cheap Trick was at the Orpheum. Right. Clash with the Orpheum. Yeah. And um, then there was club shows after that. But as far as the bigger, it was usually bigger stuff early on. Yeah. 
And uh, so when did you kind of discover punk rock and, and that kind of stuff? Probably like senior year of high school. Yeah. Like um, I graduated in 77 yeah. and me, Peter and Frank were in the same grade and same class. Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, you listen to like Sabbath, Zeppelin, Stones, and then you started sprinkling in like the Ramones. Right. And the Clash and the Pistols. Yeah. And it wasn't like um. Considering where we grew up, it was, it was, kind of enlightened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Were you identifying with, uh, you know, lyrics of any? I mean, like obviously, like Aerosmith or something like that is pretty silly in retrospect but like the Ramones you know that was kind of uh... the Ramones we had um, I had a teacher in high school um, Bruce Stock yeah. he's an English teacher and it was the strangest thing is that he you had him for freshman and sophomore year and if he liked you yeah. he had a clash a class that you had to apply for mm-hmm. and he accepted only certain kids and so I applied and Got in, and it was basically one whole class was lyrics. You had to come to class with lyrics right. from some song, and it was lyrics as poetry. Right. And when your turn would come up, you'd have to do it. And I remember doing Simon and Garfunkel. I remember doing Dylan, mm-hmm. um, the Kinks. Yeah. And he he was sitting there, and he he knew the answers to all of them. Right. And he would just sit there, and people would guess it. Yeah. But um, it was that, and he had he had another class, literature protest. Yeah. Where you read Johnny Got His Gun and, oh, and nice. Catcher in a Rye and all of that stuff there, and yeah. it, it was kind of a whole vibe. He was like, he had this wicked long hair. He used to come in with a flute, yeah, and he'd be like Ian Anderson in it in front of you know. <laughs> right. But uh, it he was great. It was so entertaining, and it really got you into like lyrics. It was like shit, yeah. Jesus, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, that stuff, Simon and Garfunkel and Dylan, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that must have been cool to read you know as a, as a young kid i know when i discovered uh dylan as a teenager it was you know it opened up this whole other world because i was into you know kiss and, and you know zeppelin <laughs> and that kind of stuff so to go from uh you know these metaphors that i didn't really understand you know like a love gun and stuff I, uh, oh god yeah he, he used to mock kiss so bad yeah he'd get up there and be like you like my seven inch leather heels <laughs> yeah <laughs> But that's that's cool to have a teacher like that. Uh, we had that. We had a, uh, another English teacher. I didn't have her, but evidently her name was Mrs. Paolino. Yeah. She was um, first cousins with Joe Perry, and nobody believed it. And then she'd come in with pitches like, "Here he is at you know age fifteen at my uh, you know cookout or first communion or whatever the hell it was." Yeah, yeah. He still lives down that way. I think he lives yeah. in like Middle Middleborough. I think. Yeah. Which is. Right next to uh, a Sona in East Freetown. Right. And now, so you you three, did you start playing music early on? Um, we didn't stop playing music until we'd go to shows and stuff. And we, Peter, always wanted to be in a band, and we went to um, was it one of the first rock and roll rumbles? I think it was the the Neighborhoods versus La Past. Oh wow. And um, he's like, we got to get in the band. We got to form. He goes, you don't even have to play instruments. Yeah. So he, we flipped a coin to see who would be the bass player. Yeah. And he had more money than I did because he had a better part-time job. Right. So he, uh, he became the bass player, and we had different two or three different people play guitar before Frank came. Yeah. And Frank was like very reluctant to play, right. even though Frank had like a great guitar and. He had an old boxing amp and he had effects and I don't know. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to, but we finally talked him into it. We had this drummer at the time. We were like, I don't know, 20. Yeah. And the first drummer we got was this guy came, Andy. Mm -hmm. I don't remember his last name. He had hair like down to his ass. He was like 45 years old. And we were like, let's just go for a few practices with him and then we'll we'll get someone else. And that's, Peter's cousin Patrick introduced us to Tommy, okay. and that's how we that how that that ended up. And, and do you remember the first uh, like punk shows that you guys started going to? Yeah, um, used to go to um, 
I mean, local stuff, like smaller stuff. Yeah, um, yeah like the smaller ones. There was, um, you know, you went to the neighborhoods shows, went to the Lepest shows. Um, and then we, I was working at um, Shaw's with Peter at the time. Yeah. And there was this kid, Mark Zeno. Mm-hmm. And his friend was Miles Prescott, who was Peter's brother. Okay. So you should go see my brother's band. Yeah. So we went, we drove up from Rainham, or so it was, to uh, the Thea Loss. Yep. And that was, I mean, we probably saw so many bands there. Right. It was, um, I saw Burma there, I saw Maps there, I saw Cosmetics there, and it was just mind-blowing for yeah. a kid from the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I was going to say, seeing uh, Mission of Burma that early, like, because that music didn't exist <laughs> for, like, kids, like, you know, and the, that must have been uh, pretty intense to see them. It, it was, it, I, I still remember, like, walking in and, and they opened a set with, this is not a photograph, and go, and looking at my friend mocking me, like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then we, after that, then once, once we started, like, at least stringing songs together, it was, we had three goals. We had three really modest goals. Yeah. We wanted to record something, anything. Yeah. We wanted to play the rat, and we wanted to open for Burma. Yeah. And... It, we we hit our goals, so we're all set. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so you guys got together, and then eventually, you came up with the name, the proletariat. Yeah, that was. It's not like we were in other bands before or anything else. It was like you know, what do you what do you think of a band? Like, I don't know, the proletariat. Right. And they was like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Let's go with that. And I mean, the, the Clash were a huge influence on us. I mean, yeah. And obviously, it went hand in hand with that. We had the leftist views, and yeah, definitely. And the first couple of shows we played were, you know, people were like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, God, yeah you guys no, are horrible. Yeah, people weren't doing uh, political stuff that much in Mission of Burma to a degree, um, but that it was a little more abstract too. Um, so at that, that time, it must have been. Uh, different for because i imagine that's when you guys were doing the real early like uh religion is the opium of the masses and, that, and that's yeah that. even like before that where there was um what was it, um oh shit we had a, a radio song yeah. it sounded nothing like us yeah it was um abstain oh. it was like a radio tape yeah and it was basically it sounded more like pill than anything else and it was like we had toy piano in it and huh. so it, it wound up doing really well on like MBR and ERS. And it was getting played a ton. Yeah. And we played, we played a couple of shows in Boston for like five people, yeah. like the underground and shit. But then we played, I think it was rat and people that showed up were expecting, you know, that kind of sound. Right. And that was just like an outlier for us. It wasn't like something we really did. Right. And it kind of was, awkward yeah but um we played the underground and um literally there was like five people there yeah maybe 10 and um eric martin from the neats was there he might have even been doing the sound right and um he's like oh i I give you guys some uh like introduce you to someone he introduced us to jimmy dufour who in turn introduced us to lou yeah and the whole radio beat thing and you know then jimmy started doing our sound and then lou jimmy and lou doing our sound live and yeah it, it helped a lot. We always sounded better than most of the bands that we were on the bill with because those guys were really good. Yeah, you had those guys, actually. Yeah, a lot of bands had, didn't really have sound their own sound guys. So that's cool. Yeah, they'd have the house sound guy, and the guy would be like, oh, whatever, I hate punk rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so what was the, the first stuff you guys recorded? First, I mean, we did Abstain. Yeah. And... A couple of maybe torn curtain and stuff that was on um, distortion, yeah, which was like the <laughs> limited edition. Like I think we made like a hundred of them, yeah, seven song, seven song tape, and out of that, four of them wound up on Soma Holiday, yeah. But we, so we did that, and then we had after that was the Boston Art LA stuff, right? And that was the next session, and then we after that was Soma, yeah. And the, and the sound, I, th- I think, is uh, 
it almost sounds like a band. The yeah, the ideas are still there, but I feel like the stuff from uh, Boston, not LA, and the and the what was the other one? Unsafe at any speed. Yeah. Um, and then the stuff on Soma Holiday is almost sounds like a band that's progressed, but like in five years. But it, it's but that was the stuff was recorded pretty close together, I guess, right? Yeah, it was all within like a within like a year and a half at yeah. the most. Yeah. And and you guys were listening to stuff like uh, Wire and Gang of Four. Like oh yeah, and I love Wire. I love Gang of Four and yeah. The Fall yeah. and 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 it just so we were just naturally. I don't even not sure how they came to pick us to be on Boston out LA. Yeah. Cause we, we would play hardcore shows, but we would also play like shows with like boys life and stuff. It was right. yeah. cause we were kind of in between. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I, I guess the, the stuff does sound way slower than everything else on that record. Right. But we, we were probably way slower right. live too. So, yeah, I think it fits in. And I, those are always been my sort of favorite kind of bands that you can, uh, you can't pigeonhole them, and you know, and it's and it's good as a, an actual band member because you can play different, you know, with Mission of Burma and then play with a Minor Threat. You know? Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, because I think one night, I mean, one week, I think we played. <sighs> might have been Bad Brains in the same week we played with Bush Tetras. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um. So, so yeah. So when you started playing with, you know, the Boston hardcore bands, notoriously were, you know, not heavy, but just, uh, you know, more like fast and kind of, I don't know, a, a, a different vibe than what you guys had. Uh, yeah. Were, were you accepted well in that scene? Um, there were shows where we were accepted well, yeah. and then there were shows where it was like, eh. Yeah. Um. I mean, Al, for the most part, would always put us on shows because he said he couldn't stand hearing four bands that sounded at the same speed yeah. for the whole. He goes, so he goes, you guys broke it up. Yeah. That's why he put us on the bill. And we got along good, good with them. Yeah. And um, it was just so many, you know, so many fans didn't like us. Right. You know, but for the most part, it wasn't any issue. And, yeah. you know, we... There really wasn't any issue with any of the even the um more oddy or regular club bands like like their crowds were fine with us too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys were the the, the second punk show I ever saw uh, was you guys at Storyville with uh oh. Sorry and Dub Seven. <coughs> oh, that was shit. Yeah. That was Yeah, that was a great that was so that was my I was probably fourteen years old, I guess, at the time and uh it was like the first time I went to the pit. I'd become friends with uh, Al Quint and Mike Gitter and those guys, and they, and they sort of took me under their wing <laughs> and uh, brought me to shows. But that was, so that was my second one. And that, but that club didn't really have many shows. That was uh, no, that was um, that was the closest I ever felt to being like a Beatle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we were at, we were doing some stuff at Radio Beat, which is in the back of the building, and. It was an afternoon show, and I guess it was the first time the Globe had ever mentioned us. They had us some things to do this weekend and all of this stuff here. And yeah. So we walked out to just go, I don't know, we're going to get soda or something. And um, there was a line outside the door. Yeah. And I'm like, let's go back in. Go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're looking really like douchebags if we walk down in front of people. Right, right. And uh, Sorry was an amazing band. That, uh... Sorry. Sorry were great. They were like... And it was um underrated band. Yep, yeah. yeah, somebody had said like we were Burma's kid brother band and they were our kid brother band. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And dub and double oh seven were yeah. we played with them probably more than we played with anyone. Yeah. Great guys and it was easy to get along, we got along great and yeah. It broke up the set. Yeah. And, the, and those guys never were really did they put any records out? I don't remember <laughs> they dub double oh seven had stuff. I think there's a single. Yeah. Or something and then a compilation or something, but yeah, those two sorry records are amazing. I love, I love those records. Oh, yeah, the, the, and, and they were great live, yeah, they were incredible live, yeah, yeah. It's pretty sad. John passed away about yeah 20 years ago now, I think. Um, so you guys eventually 
did you know you're saying your 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 goal early on was to play with Mission of Burma? Did you did that happen? Yeah, uh, uh, probably we probably played with him like a dozen times, I think. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, still like the best show. My favorite show we ever played was um the Burma Farewell show. Yeah, at uh, the Bradford. Oh yeah, yeah. That was um, that was the biggest crowd we ever played to at that yeah. point, and yeah. it was like holy shit. Who else? Who else was on that one? The um the afternoon show was um well Burma obviously right. dangerous birds and uh, negative effects yeah. the, the famous negative yeah. effects show yeah, yeah. that lasted about a minute and a half <laughs> yeah. and then the nighttime was uh, Burma Austin Christmas oh nice and that was uh it, it was it was all it was so packed and then yeah. they they had I guess they'd made like a local interest human interest story. Joyce Cole Haywick from Can- channel four was there. <laughs> and so I'm hanging in the back with that. And then she goes, she sees me talking. She goes, hi, which member of Burma are you? <laughs> I said, oh, I'm Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> and I cracked up laughing and fell around a bit, but. <laughs> uh, so you, did, uh, you, you became good friends with the Burma guys, I imagine. Yeah. Too. <clears throat> yeah, they, they're, they're the best American band, in my opinion, yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. I love, absolutely love Mission and Burma. Yeah, I, I never got to see them until they, they came back in uh, whenever that was, 10 years ago or whatever. Mm. And, they, and they were amazing, you know. So it was good to see them again, especially at, the, at that time. It was like the, the height of uh, George Bush. Uh, <laughs> George Bush, so... <laughs> Kind of miss yeah. those days, don't you? I know, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's the other thing I was going to talk about. So, you know, in, in Boston, anyway, there wasn't, you know, there was straight edge bands. I mean, I think that that gets overblown because I, I think there really was only a couple at that time, just SSD and DYS were really. But all the other bands, you know, Jerry's Kids and, and those kind of bands and Sorry and, and whatever weren't political, but you guys were. Uh, Political, and I, I always thought you took the cue from Gang of Four, where it's this really catchy song that you can dance to, but there's these, you know, dark, you know, lyrics and, you know, left-wing statements and, and that kind of thing. So, so it was, I thought you guys did a perfect job of that, you know. Yeah, Gang of Four, they, they were huge. I, I love them so much. They're an incredible band. Yeah. Um, did that like polarize people or anything being like that? Cause it's, it's, you know. we would get some, you know, commie shit right. and, and, and back, but not a whole lot. Yeah. One time actually it kind of worked the opposite. I thought we were in, um, Newport, yeah. Rhode Island. And, um, there was this guy from Providence, Fred, the red. Yeah. And he would have this, gang literally a gang of teenage girls that were runaways with him and between the police and he would start with bikers and there was always a brawl wherever he was and um he 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 started somebody yelled some something at us like commie fags or something and he went completely haywire crazy nutcase crazy like grabbing a stool, all the mirrors in the building got smashed. And, and I'm behind the bar, said to the bartender, should we call the cops? He's like, no, they'll pull our license. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that was, we, we didn't catch a whole lot of backlash, especially, especially in Boston. We didn't hear a lot. Yeah. Providence and, and Connecticut, we heard stuff a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the bigger shows you guys played, I have a, uh, it's a reprint of a flyer, but the, you played with Minor Threat. Yeah, that was um, Gallery East. Yeah, yeah. What was that? What was that like? I was. That was intense. Yeah. It was. Uh, we went on first, and we did catch some shit that show. Yeah. Because people just wanted us to get off. Right. And um, because Minor Threat, the the lineup, it wound up going us, then Minor Threat, and then SSD, and then I think the FU's closed. Yeah. But um. People want to see my minor threat, and it, I was I was intimidated. It was like holy fucking shit. <laughs> like it was, 
it was, you know, I think the shows we played before that one, it, right, directly before that show were like, you know, club shows. Right, right. And this was just a fucking riot. Yeah. It was like, holy shit. Yeah. It was intense, yeah. yeah. Was that sort of one of the first times you realized that it was sort of like a, those guys were like a big deal? and Yeah. I feel like you were it, seeing it, something special. I mean, we played with uh, Black Flag and the Circle Jerks yeah. prior to that. And, and, and those were pretty intense shows but yeah. this no there was nothing like this this was this was nuts yeah it was just holy shit like you, you, I, you're just looking around you're like you're just stunned yeah bad brains did you guys play with them we played with bad brains they were so freaking good yeah they, they were such good musicians it yeah. was like they just killed everyone yeah. it was killed everyone yeah and Oh my God! It was like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. what are, what are we playing? <laughs> it's it's a different animal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, they were they were unbelievable. Yeah. Now, you guys played a lot in Rhode Island as well because you were you know relatively closer to Pro. I would imagine close. That's probably closer to Providence than. Yeah, for for, uh, for River and it's probably like it's probably about twenty minutes close, fifteen minutes closer yeah. than going to Boston. Yeah. And uh, what was the scene like down there? Different in Boston. Yeah. More, um, when we came out, or we started playing, it was a lot of the, um, a lot of the old, um, like, Brit punks, and, like, kind of like, uh, Johnny Thunders was enormous there. Yeah. And the Dead Boys, that kind of stuff. is, And it wasn't really much of a hardcore scene until later. Yeah. And... Then it kicked in. Initially, the Providence hardcore shows were were just, you know, everything would, a lot of people would be cool, but then it'd be like people from like the sticks, like Smithfield, something, football right. players that would just show up and say, oh, this is what you do. I saw this on Oprah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And they'd just take people out. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that's probably where, like, uh, yeah, a lot of that, like, hate for jocks. Yep. Mm -hmm. you know, the, yeah, you'd see him, and you knew instantly. Wait a minute, this guy's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I always, yeah, and I always have that joke where, because I, I, you know, in my being a punk kid in 1983, and I grew up in Swampscott on the North Shore. Uh, you know, when school got out, I got the you know the three month break from being called a faggot every day. You know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you had you had to you had to want to go through it. It wasn't yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah. At all, it, it, nothing nothing was gifted to you. You had to yeah. bite your tongue and and I have I you know I I got a mouth. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say shit back. Yeah, yeah. And I can run fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. So you on stage. Uh, the last time I saw you was uh, last year. And in, uh, in Providence with uh, that Moving Targets show, uh -huh. and uh, you were like up on top of the uh, <laughs> speakers and everything. But you, you've always been really in. It. Who were who are some of your favorite singers? That, you know, no one like Gigi Allen, that's for right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, no, um, I used to, I, I thought you know obviously HR was great live. Yeah. Uh, Keith Morris, I thought was great live. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then obviously like the clash is still amazing to me to this yeah. day. Yeah. Um, I love the jam too. Yeah. yeah. Even though, you know, Weller always had a guitar in his hand and so I didn't, couldn't copy from him too much, but, uh, yeah. you'd always steal things. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I, I thought I was still doing this, uh, this James Brown thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just I do it so badly, people think it's mine. It's <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after uh, Soma Holiday, you guys did another record. Uh, how, how, how long after that was that one? Actually, it was done pretty quick. Yeah. Um, Soma came out in 83. Yeah. And I, I think Indifference was was done in 84 and we'd finished most of the, the album yeah and in between it coming out tommy and i left we quit and they added um so frank and peter carried on with um steve welch who was a drummer oh yeah who was basically like our roadie previously yeah and um this girl laurel yeah. that um 
she sang. So she sang on two of the songs and yeah. Homeland and the guns are winning. And then they put the record out. Right. That's by adding those two, it, it delayed the release. Right. And I think it, it finally came out in like 85. Right. But it's, it's a totally different yeah. record than yeah, yeah, definitely. Soma. Yeah. Yeah. Were you happy with that one? I think a lot of it has like I would always take Soma over Indifference. Yeah, and, and and I think that we play better on Indifference. I think the lyrics are better on Indifference. Yeah, um, it sounds better overall, but I think because we we're kind of we we're fighting like crazy. Yeah, and it wasn't a fun fun recording session. It wasn't a cool vibe. It wasn't like we're happy. Yeah. yeah. We were somewhere. It was like, this is the greatest thing ever. We were having a blast. Everyone, we loved each other and everything was great. And then, yeah. you know, we started coming apart at the seams. Right. So it just didn't have the same vibe in my, maybe just, maybe it's just me, but, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely, uh, you can feel that on that. Cause on, on the, the Soma is so urgent and, yeah. Yeah, and you know. Yep, it, there's a lot more energy and what's your face is is almost dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a different vibe definitely. And you had a song on that uh Peace compilation too. That that was a great record that uh mm. that two two record set with all those uh like Yeah, that cool. one uh yep, Uneasy Peace we had um Roger Miller from um Burma played piano on it. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And we're like, how the hell are we going to get a piano in here? But they had one in, in Radio Beat. And, in Radio Beat, yeah. Yeah, he came and banged it out, and that was that. There was two different versions of that one. Oh, was it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, one's, one's without piano and one's with. Oh, right. And, and it almost sounds like two different songs. Yeah. Who, uh, who else recorded at Radio Beat? I mean, a lot of, it's a lot of those, these early Boston records. Just about everyone, I think, at least at least did something there. Yeah. Yeah, like Burma, the, SSD. Yeah, all those X clans. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And were those guys, and, were Lou and Jimmy, uh, were they into the music too, or were they? Uh, oh, they were into the music. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so that that helps when it's not. You know, I've been in recording studios with bands where the guy running it is doesn't know anything about the you know your genre of music and. Just, oh no, they they were they were they were into it. They were they would go to every show. I mean, Lou went from uh, Who's Could Do kind of stole Lou from us. Yeah, yeah. Where he went and started being their sound guy when they were, when they came through town, and then he left, and then Jimmy was doing Oz by himself for a while. Yeah. And um, no, they were into it, and they were always coming up with, well, let's do this. How about this toy piano? Right. How about this broken piano? Right. How about putting a cowbell over the microphone and smashing it? And it would be like just feedback. And but they, they were willing to, I, I think we were kind of like um, a lab experiment for them. Yeah, nice. Yeah, like the, I like the, uh, when the tape uh, speeds up at the beginning. Yeah. Of the, is that events repeat? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool to have guys that would want to like do that kind of stuff in the studio, you know? Not many bands were doing that kind of stuff at that point. So. No, and I think they felt because because we weren't like a strict hardcore band that they could right. get away, they could yeah, throw shit in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you get? Did you guys play shows with Husker Du? Yeah, um, Mavericks. It was it was a really good show. It was an uh, afternoon show. Yeah. It was uh, Husker Du, Austin, Maver- uh, Sorry. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And what was Husker Du like at that? That was the early when they were just real speedy. They were they were fat, but they were just starting to slow down a little. I mean, they they were much cleaner than us. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, they were incredible. It was a it was a Mavericks was a nice club. It was just so tight, yeah. you couldn't move, and it was like I guess it was a strip club before, and there was still cages up where girls used to dance or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, and we, it was an afternoon show. Um, Gerard Cosley put it on. Yeah. And. It it was that was another one where you look outside and you're like, holy shit, there's people outside that can't get in. Yeah, like it was that jammed. That's crazy. And uh, so then the band essentially broke up in uh, a couple of years after Indifference. Is that, is that right? Uh, yeah. Um. Actually, Indifference came out, and then um, 
they went and played. I went to the show. Yeah. They they were playing two shows in Providence, like one afternoon and one at night. <laughs> and I remember it was the day, 1985. I think it was Live Aid was on or something. Yeah. Because it was on the TVs there, and they played in. Um, it, it, you know, I guess they weren't that happy with it. Yeah. They sounded okay, but I guess they weren't didn't like the vibe, and that was the only two shows they ever played. What was that like seeing them without you <laughs> on stage? Is that uh, different? It, it was different. I mean, it, this is going to sound horrible. And, yeah. and I've said it to Peter and Frank and they're like, yeah, you're an asshole. Right. I was like, I, I kind of hoped you sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause yeah. if you guys were, if you guys were really good, I'd be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, what the hell am I going to do now? But, uh, right. It, it was right. It was in between. They played fine. They didn't go over great. Right. It was, eh, uh, it was a weird vibe. Yeah. It, yeah, I I don't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you got back together with those guys. Did the band churn? Oh yeah, that was a bad idea. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, <sighs> it was. Again, every time we get back together, it usually has to do with Peter. Peter usually pushes it. Come on, come on, come on, let's go. Come on, can we do this? Yeah. So Frank was like. <sighs> we're better off leaving what we did already alone. Right. And, and, and just try writing new songs and, and give a different name and start completely at the bottom. Right. And even in a short period of time, it might've been like eight years, maybe difference, maybe like it was like 93, 94. Right. It was just so different. It was from playing in Knights of Columbus halls and friggin' really skanky, scary places to like, Oh, we we're playing in clubs. Right. Oh, they they're giving us alcohol for, right. for, for free. <laughs> like what? We a guest list? What the hell's that? We're getting more than twelve dollars. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. But uh, it, it, and you know because I guess we had some cachet. Yeah. We we wound up opening for bands that I really that would pack the place, yeah. but they were really like alternative pop bands right, right. like um everclear the yeah. the guy from the cult um yeah and it just wasn't the same yeah it was it wasn't fun no one of the times uh one of the shows was um what was it was it mama kin yeah we played with uh al's being gage oh yeah yeah uh, that was a depressing night yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't uh, i wasn't into that band no. Um, so the proletariat, though, got back together in uh, 2016. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, uh, I, you know, this is, I can't think of a more perfect time in history, or at least in my life, that, that you guys <laughs> need to exist. You know? uh, just the, the climate out in the world, you know, even before it, this pandemic thing, you know, especially before this. Um, it was funny because it was 16 and um, well, a little, you know, to back, step back a little bit. It was um, Scott Soriano, um, SS Records in Sacramento at the time. He was, um, he put it out. He wanted to reissue Soma. Yeah. And he goes, vinyl's big now. I've always, one of my favorite albums. I was wondering if you'd reissue it. So all the, any copyright that we Curtis from Tang had a bunch of copy stuff for us, but it had already expired. Right. It was only like, so we said, okay, so we did it and put it out. And so we're sitting around talking about it. And Peter's like, we should do a couple of shows, right. you do like three shows, mm-hmm. you know, and, and see, you know, and Frank's like, I don't want to. Yeah. But Frank's like, um, guys go find another guitarist. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him any help he needs on songs or whatever. And he goes, you have my blessing. Go have fun. Nice. So Tommy, Tommy lives in San Francisco. So he was, he was, I'll come back. I'll come back for this. Yeah. And so now we just needed to find a guitarist. And so, um, I put it out on Facebook Yeah. and, um, Don, mm-hmm. who used to come see us when he was a kid, before he was in the idol rich. And then he was in medicine ball after that. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, he, I didn't realize he was an idol rich. Yeah. Yeah. And he came and he's like, I know all your songs and assistant. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And we were from there. Yeah. 
it was we practiced with a drum machine because Tommy was in California. Right. And Peter Prescott practiced a couple times for us because we needed a drummer, oh. even though he doesn't play drums anymore. But he played, and yeah. you know, we did basically it was all stuff. And then Peter was like, "Let's straight one play one song that's new, yeah, just in case it goes really well, and we can yeah. play." And I'm like, yeah. "All right." So we did Scab, yeah, and that was the first song we wrote as a as a as a current band, yeah, and. We played it in all the sets, and it went fine. It kind of fits in with the set. It's not yeah. strange, but um, we were supposed to just do. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Okay. I guess it was a. We did a warm up show in New Haven, and then we were supposed to do Providence in Boston, yeah. and then New York get added because Mike Gitt is like, "Want well, to play in New York?" <laughs> I get it's like, "Okay," so he got us an afternoon at um, St. Vitus, yeah. and um. It was it was really good. Yeah, yeah. The Boston one was the one show, right, with Kevin Seconds. It was like. No, no, no. That was the second one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was later. The first one was um, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. The one down here was Mini Beast in. Oh right. Um, what the heck? Um, Neutral Nation. Oh, nice. And because we knew those guys from back in the day, yeah. and. No, once was a good show. The New York show was good. Yeah. The FUs played the New York show. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it went so well. Yeah. <laughs> we got along really well, and then people started saying, hey, you want to play this show? You want to play this one? You want to play here? Yeah. So we never really traveled anywhere. Right. We, I mean, like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. That was it. Yeah. Back in the day. And then next thing you know, like I think after we played those shows, we were – we played Tacoma, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, and oh, in wow. in the space of one day. Yeah, I think it was. We played. Um, we got out there. We played Seattle, yeah. a night show. We went to bed. We played Tacoma in the afternoon. We played Portland that same night. It was like a Friday, Saturday, and then we went home on Sunday. Nice. So we basically did three shows in twenty four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Which was nuts. That's pretty crazy. The uh, the, the um, show in Seattle reminded me of, like the old days. Yeah. It was um, Black Lodge. Oh yeah. So it was a room. You people were living in the back somewhere, and they bring you in, you play, and then as soon as the show's done, everyone leaves. They get you in and out. Right. There's no bar. There's nothing. And um. Small room. It was a decent sized room. Yeah. And um, that went really well. So the next day we're going to Tacoma and like, oh, it's some festival. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. It, we played literally in a frigging garage. <laughs> it was a big garage, yeah. but it was a garage. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And then so like, all right, we did that. And then we went to um, Portland. Excuse me. All three shows we did with the um, Arctic Flowers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so they, they were really nice hosts and. Yeah. Nice. Then we came back and I think we did New York and Philadelphia again, and then we did Pittsburgh and yeah, and, and a bunch of other. And, hmm? and then you and you recorded this record. Yeah, we recorded it actually nineteen uh, two thousand eighteen. Okay. And then it took time, but to you know mixing and all that stuff there, and then finally came out in nineteen. Yeah. But uh, we did that at Mad Oak. Yeah. Lou Lou did that too. Lou did that record for yeah, us too. Yeah. yeah I, have a, I got a copy of that right here too. Um, yeah, I was surprised when I, I remember when I got this and I saw it. I was like, oh, that's cool to see uh, Lou's name on a, a, your record in 2019. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. He was. It was like he's like, oh, I didn't want to end my career with taking back Sundays. <laughs> That, so he's he's still a working uh, producer. Yeah, he's uh, he's he does other stuff too. Yeah. Um, but um, he he had some big he was on some big records. Yeah, like really big ones he did. Yeah, like um, I mean they were poppy. Right. Like he was on a big Goo Goo Doll record and um, oh, yeah. Yeah. What was the other one that horrible band live? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he did them and oh, I was like, yeah. He did, but he was like. Huh? He did Hoosker's stuff too. Yeah. 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 And he did, uh, yeah, I think he did some of Bob's, uh, maybe Sugar. Yeah. 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 He's, he's got a pretty uh, amazing resume, that guy. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. 
So anyway, are you are you guys doing anything anymore? Are you still uh, we're we're still together. We um. I mean, no one's playing music right now. No one's playing music right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll probably if if it ever when it breaks, we'll do some shows. We. Yeah. I guess there's a couple benefits already. Yep. And um, we've got a drummer now. Tommy's still our drummer technically, but we have someone that will fill in for local stuff now. Right, right. So that'll work. But, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear, man. And uh, It's good to hear your voice and that you're healthy and uh, still out there doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's – you know, I had a little less hair, but not much. I didn't know much to begin with. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> anyway, man, thanks, uh, thanks for doing this for me. Well, thank you. And uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Great. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks, Christian. Take care, man. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.